0: Hello. Hello, and welcome to Plotting Through the Presidents, where we take irreverent plunges into lesser-known aspects of the early American presidents and founders. I'm Howard Dory.
1: I'm Jessica Dory.
0: And today, we are going on a hunt.
1: Going on a bear hunt. <laughs> I'm not scared. You should be. <laughs>
0: We're going on a hunt for the real James Madison.
1: Is this James Madison, this picture you showed me?
0: Yes, just a few minutes ago, I gave you an assignment. I, I love
1: the assignments i know you do although i i am noticing your style with some of these are is very vague and i know you're trying to do that on purpose but i think some structure needs to happen here what are you, what
0: are you talking about i gave you four portraits of james madison and <laughs> i asked you to write down some words that came to mind about the personality of the man the based on some, the, portrait. the
1: some words is the vague part i ended up just writing a few words for each portrait And it would have been nice if you gave me those directions. Write a few words for each portrait. Well,
0: I mean, you're going to do what you're going to (laughs) do. Apparently. Um, So I want to hear. I want to hear based on these pictures, uh, and we'll share them on the show notes page. I want to hear what your impressions are of James Madison's personality.
1: First of all, you didn't tell me it was Madison. I had no idea who this president was. I was really worried you were going to make me name the president's based on the portraits. And then I was relieved when you said it wasn't a quiz and I didn't have to name them based on the portraits because that would be too hard for me. Uh,
0: That comes later.
1: That comes later. We're working up towards that. Okay, so yes, he gave me four portraits. It looks like this is Madison in different stages of his life. So in, in one, he's very young and strong and striking and confident, you know. Uh, in the others, he's older. And in one of them, he's kind of kind and experienced looking. His eyes seem kinder than some. And then in one, he looks old like someone woke him up from his sleep. He has like a nightcap or a scarf on. And so in that one, he looks suspicious. And then there's one where he just looks completely unremarkable. And I mean, he just kind of looks disappointed even. <laughs> okay. so I didn't really yeah. know what to
0: say about, about that.
1: Anyway, I'm not sure if that fits with Madison's actual personality. He's one that I get mixed up with others a lot, so...
0: How would you boil that down?
1: You want me to boil down my thoughts to a few words? Striking, suspicious, strange, sometimes kind. I don't know. That's what I think he was Okay,
0: all right. A lot of people, based on his portraits or just not knowing him, would describe him as, like, stuffy. Or Stern.
1: Oh, Stern is a good one. I'd go with Stern with that first picture. He looked very striking. I, I went with striking and okay. confident. His lips are off; seem to be pursed a lot.
0: Yeah, what's up with like, that? He
1: probably has a lot of tension in his jaw, which I understand.
0: So this is the crotchety old energy that James Madison exudes from his portraits.
1: Maybe the suspicious one is a little crotchety. I can understand. It's like a ghost woke him up and he's kind of like... I hate that. Yeah, I hate when that happens. He's very suspicious, but also kind of like, who disturbs my slumber?
0: Yeah, that's how he came off to people who didn't know him. All the time? Pretty much. But there are hints scattered throughout history that this man actually had a wicked sense of humor raunchy hilarious rolling on the floor laughing your ass off
1: that reminds me of someone i know oh Mm-hmm. i'm staring at you oh okay yeah i'm looking at you well like... i'm the only
0: one here and you don't Sorry. know many people that's uh, true uh, <laughs> yeah but there are rumors that he was actually fun we're gonna dig into those hints like paleontologists digging for bones but we're not looking for just any bone the bone oh, excuse me
1: what are we looking for we're
0: looking for a certain kind of bone
1: a hip bone, like what what are you <laughs> What are you getting at?
0: A funny bone.
1: Oh, are we on a hunt for his funny sense of humor?
0: That's what we're hunting for.
1: Oh, I love this. Okay.
0: Along the quest for James Madison's funny bone, we're going to talk about some actual bones, his public versus his private face, his odd writing, and his funny relationship with Thomas Jefferson. And even though we're looking for funny, I- I'm gonna let you know right now that we may have to settle for weird. Well,
1: you know, sometimes weird is funny. Right. And funny can be weird.
0: That's what I always say. I mean, that's
1: one of the reasons I fell in love with you.
0: (laughs) Oh. Alexis Coe, the author of the great and funny new biography of George Washington called You Never Forget Your First, she called James Madison America's least fun founding father in 2017. But was she right? To people he didn't know, he definitely came off that way. The writer Washington Irving, when he visited the White House, he described Madison as But a withered little apple, John, which is a kind of apple, like a shitty kind, I guess.
1: Oh, he doesn't look like a withered apple. I mean, when he's older, but don't all old people kind of look a little withered? Wow. I still don't understand why people had this stereotype about him. But okay, continue. All
0: right. All right. One wife of a continental congressman said this about him. They say he is clever, but he has nothing engaging or bearable in his manners. He is the most unsociable creature in existence. He was he was sort of goth. He was always dressed in black, <laughs> and kind of like saying, "Just stay the hell away from me." That was his vibe. It's
1: like a typical comedian. You think? I mean, they're they're pretty dark inside, wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you say you have some dark corners?
0: I don't know if I'd consider myself a comedian, but you, there's a darkness. There's a darkness. There's within. definitely a
1: darkness within. <laughs> there's a dark passenger in there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, But a friend of the Madison's, the novelist Margaret Bayard Smith, Mm -hmm. she wrote about a night where James Madison shared so many great anecdotes that her mind was full to overflowing afterwards. And she noted that the entertaining, interesting and communicative man had a single stranger or indifferent person been present would have been mute, cold and repulsive.
1: So he has to warm up. He has to warm up to people. He's slow to warm
0: Maybe that's it. He was a performer for his friends, but he just shut down in front of people he didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I feel that. I get yeah, that. Yeah,
1: yeah. I feel like it took us a while to get to know each other. We're but s- once we're you still were getting to know each other, <laughs> I feel that we do. There's definitely new surprises <laughs> every year. <laughs> but um, yeah, not everyone is outgoing with everybody all the time. I don't know. So far, I'm in his corner. I'm okay. okay but I don't know anything about him. I don't know whether I should be supporting him or not, but I'm okay with being slow to warm.
0: Well, we're looking at a certain aspect of him today. Like generally, I think of James Madison as a a sneaky weasel.
1: Oh, as this
0: brilliant strategic mind who sometimes cared more about gaining power for his party than he did for the country. Ew. but when it comes to his personality, the more I read about him, the more I kind of identify with him in some ways for Mm -hmm. sure. Ah, uh, we get a lot of insights into early Washington, DC. society from this writer, Margaret Bayard Smith. Mm-hmm. Her husband Samuel was a newspaper publisher, and they were friends with the Jeffersons and the Madisons, and they were just very much a part of high Washington society. And she basically wrote the book on it. Her letters were published after her death in a book called "The First Forty Years of Washington Society."
1: Oh, cool. And what a It's a great resource. What a treasure trove. yeah, totally.
0: She was at his inauguration. Mm -hmm. She wrote to a friend about it. Mostly her letter was bittersweet because Jefferson was leaving office and she pretty clearly had like a huge crush on this guy, Jefferson. (laughs) This Um, guy. This guy, Jefferson, yeah. random. (laughs) But she says that at the inauguration party, James Madison came up to her and made some of his old kind of mischievous illusions. And I told him I found him still unchanged.
1: Oh. Unchanged from what?
0: Uh, He was just his old self. And she basically said, you know, James Madison, you haven't changed a bit.
1: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so she found him to be very familiar.
0: Yeah. basically. In his,
1: in his ways.
0: Yeah. And she, she alluded to uh, his character in a way that we don't get to see. We just get to see references to it. And this is pretty frustrating. Mm-hmm. It's like a screenplay with an action line that says they exchanged witty dialogue. i want to know what
1: the witty dialogue is Yeah, i want to
0: know those mischievous illusions margaret (laughs) Um, whatever they were though he had a reputation for them
1: wow yeah
0: what makes james madison even more interesting to me is that this mischievous alluder he wasn't just shy or putting on a serious public face when he was really laid back he could be this mischievous guy and at the same time be a total sourpuss
1: this is all very familiar to me, too. Wow. I feel like you, you have some things in common here.
0: Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So later at the same inauguration party, Smith wrote that the room was so packed that it was hard to move. And they even, I guess, had to break the top part of the windows that didn't open just to get airflow. That's how big this party was, mm. how, how tight it was. So the room is totally packed. And mm. Smith said to him while he was standing near her, I wish with all my heart I had a little bit of seat to offer you. And he said to her, I wish so too. And then he said he'd rather be in bed. Oh. I mean, I feel that
1: way sometimes. Oh my
0: God. So do I. Like, who doesn't want to show up at a party, go up to people (laughs) you want to, drop some witty bombs, and then just go to bed? Uh,
1: Yeah. Just uh, this is kind of why I don't go to parties anymore. I just would rather be in comfortable clothes in bed.
0: Right. And that was James Madison.
1: Sometimes I'd rather be in bed than in the living room, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So
0: years later, visiting Montpelier. Margaret Baird Smith wrote about uh, their after dinner conversation with the Madisons on the portico at twilight and the drawing room sipping coffee. And she said, some of Mr. Madison's anecdotes were very droll and we often laughed very heartily. I wish my letter was large enough to contain a few of them, which I'm sure would make you laugh, too. I wish we knew what they were. God damn it, Margaret. <laughs> what <laughs> okay. a tease. Be specific. <laughs> I heard some really funny stories, and I know you love funny stories, but screw you. I'm not telling you any. <laughs> oh, no. That was her letter.
1: It's, it's, yeah. It's, well, she didn't realize people would be so interested, in, or, or person, you, would be so interested in the details of his humor.
0: She was writing to this woman, Mrs. Boyd, and she said, she said, I'm sure some of these stories would make you laugh, but I'm not going to tell you, because I don't want you to laugh. <laughs>
1: maybe, was she old? I mean, maybe she didn't want to write out details and details.
0: She wrote plenty. yeah there was there was no lack of angst i'm I'm sensing some anger i
1: don't
0: know um but smith isn't even the only one who teases that madison was hilarious but doesn't dish the details another biographer ethel stevens arnett wrote that madison's witticisms were often so risque that they have not been widely published
1: (laughs) what are the witticisms i understand you're you're dying to know
0: This is how historians feel when the records they're looking for were lost in a fire. Mm. These these people had a responsibility to history and to my juvenile curiosity, (laughs) and they failed to satisfy either.
1: Oh, don't underestimate your curiosity. It's not juvenile. I want to know, too. But you you seem to have some deep-rooted feelings.
0: It's like finding out that there's something out there that you're looking for, but you can't have it.
1: I'm kind of curious, psychologically, if you're so interested in Madison's sense of humor because maybe you relate to that and you want to know if it's a similar sense of humor to you. Like maybe you have a kindred spirit in Madison that you're seeking because I don't think you'd be this interested if it weren't about humor. Do you know what I mean?
0: No, I think you're right. I think you're definitely right. I think
1: you're seeking yourself.
0: Wow, I'm... Wow, this is As funny, it comes to, funny boom, but it's really... It's really finding
1: yourself, in, yeah. You want to know,
0: Ooh.
1: were we the same person? Wow. Were we... <laughs> wow. This is, this is going to be $120, by the
0: way. Wow, this is therapy. This what
1: is your this? therapy.
0: After teasing her friend, uh, Margaret Smith went on to say that Madison retains all the sportiveness of his character, which he used to reveal now and then to those who knew him intimately. And Missus Madison says he is as fond as a frolic and of romping with the girls as ever. Okay.
1: Um. God's, I mean, why don't you want to know more about that? You're just like. <laughs> you're just like completely uh, I, accepting of that questions. little quid bit.
0: Um. And then she says his little blue eyes sparkled like stars from under his bushy gray eyebrows and amidst the <laughs> deep wrinkles of his poor thin face. Jeez nor have they lost their look of mischief that used to lurk in their corners and which have vanished and gave place to an expression ever solemn when the conversation took a serious turn.
1: Oh my goodness. You know, I think she should write some words about his portrait. I think she did a better job than I did about explaining his eyes. Because his eyes are quite expressive. Um, There's a lot
0: going on behind his eyes. Yeah, there's a lot going on behind
1: behind his eyes and I think she described it quite well.
0: Yeah, couldn't remember anything he said, but got Uh, his eyes.
1: It's hard to remember your jokes, too, and, like, the word for word because they're so kind of... There's
0: um, so many of them. And there's so many they're of them. So they're funny. so out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: and they're, they're witty and they're hard to recreate.
0: They're ethereal. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what the word you were sure. definitely looking for.
1: I guess. Yeah.
0: She also said that at 77 years old, James Madison looked older than his 97-year-old mother.
1: Oh, poor guy.
0: I don't know what was going on with Madison's face. He had a baby face his whole life. but then and it, people thought he was younger than he was.
1: But then it withered.
0: Yeah, suddenly, bam.
1: He's 90. <laughs> withered little Apple John. A little skinny apple face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so anyway, Margaret Baird Smith does a great job teasing us about how funny Madison could be without actually showing us. We need to look at his writing to get some idea of just how funny he was
1: oh good so we have some of his funny writing (laughs) i
0: didn't say that we have to look at some of his private writing that he probably never meant to have published and when i say that we're looking for funny uh, i'm stretching out the meaning of funny to strange yeah that's okay because james madison was one weird writer let me take you back to the paper wars Mm. when james madison was in college at princeton he wrote a little weird poetry It was part of some of the paper wars between his debating society, the Whigs, and the other debating society, the Cleos. They would write abusive poems about each other, and they'd be read aloud in the college's prayer hall, like some kind of rap battle at Hogwarts. (laughs)
1: Like a beat battle.
0: Yeah. The best of the three poems that we have is called The Aerial Journey of the Poet Laureate of the Cleosophic Society. It's a mythical fantasy where Madison's classmate, Samuel Spring, who's a member of the rival Cleo Society. Now,
1: Madison wrote this.
0: Madison wrote this, and it's about this rival debate team member, Samuel Spring, having a dream where he encounters Apollo and his muses, who then proceed to beat the ever-loving shit out of him.
1: <laughs> my goodness. Sounds like his own sick fantasy.
0: It's, it's a trip. The poem is mostly written from Spring's point of view with Spring recounting this dream where he tries to steal Apollo's laurel wreath so he could gain his poetic skills. And he's about to get the laurel wreath, but uh uh-oh. Apollo grabs a big stick and mashes his jaws and head.
1: Oh my god.
0: And then... gruesome. got gruesome. Fast. Oh, just wait. Just got dark. Then Euterpe... Wait, what? Euterpe. Is that Greek? Yeah. The muse of music... She starts whipping Samuel Spring with a dishcloth full of grease and boiling water.
1: Holy smokes. So these gods, he wants these gods to be haters on this person.
0: Yeah. She's beating him on his sides and back, which lost its hide at every whack.
1: Did you write about this one?
0: I did. I did write about this years ago.
1: Okay. It sounded slightly familiar. Yeah.
0: Then things get a little weird.
1: They were normal before.
0: In the poem... Urania threw a chamber pot, which from beneath her bed she brought. Ew. And struck my eyes and ears and nose, repeating it with lusty blows. In such a pickle there I stood, trickling on every side with blood. That's gross. Yeah, so Urania, the muse of astronomy, beat this dude's face to a bloody pulp with a chamber pot. Full of pee, probably. I'm, I'm guessing it had to be it, full of it urine. It
1: sounded like he was dripping with blood and pee.
0: Yeah, yeah. Then Cleo... The muse of history comes in, when Clio, ever grateful muse, sprinkled my head with healing dews. So, are we talking about like some golden showers here? I, that's gotta be more pee, right? <laughs> <I> mean, <what laughs> Sounds other, like
1: more pee. <laughs> what else is
0: muse do? I don't know. And
1: sprinkling over—I mean, maybe it's rain. We could say it's rain.
0: Sure, maybe it's maybe it's rain in that chamber pot. Yeah, and that cool. those healing healing muse dews.
1: <laughs> muse dews. It gets worse. Oh, really? Yeah. Then, what? Is there night soil
0: involved? You wish.
1: <laughs> no, I don't. I don't want any noise, night. Noite? No, soil. Want any <laughs> <night> soil. <laughs> that makes me. Oh, well, n- Popeye, what's that night soil? <laughs> oh, night soil. <laughs> All
0: right. Okay. Um, then he says, Cleo, then took me to her private room, and straight a eunuch out I come. What? My voice to render more melodious, a recompense for sufferings odious.
1: Okay, so I need, as you know, I'm a very visual person. If I'm going to analyze- you mean me to reenact this? Well, no, I don't want any reenactment. Get off me. <laughs> <laughs> Put it away. <laughs> I don't need any golden showers or reenactments. I, can you read that one more time so I can visualize it, please?
0: Then took me to her private room.
1: Okay, that sounds sexy.
0: And straight a eunuch- out I come.
1: Okay, so he took his pants off and he doesn't have any balls.
0: He did when he went in.
1: Oh, out he come out of the room.
0: Yes. The muse of history peed on his head and, and cut off his balls.
1: Okay, so that's okay. That's wow. how I So choose to a Eunuch it. Out He Came. Can you yes. read it all the last two sentences? Then
0: took me to her private room and uh-huh. straight a eunuch out I come. My voice to render more melodious, because now so, I can sing better because I'm a eunuch.
1: Oh, see, I didn't realize yeah. that connection. A
0: recompense for sufferings odious. So oh. they beat me, but they gave me this gift of being able to sing better okay. by removing my yeah. testicles. Wow. Yeah, that's that got dark. Cleo's not done with him yet. Wow. She gives him a warning.
1: This is all Madison's fan. This like is all fantasies. Madison's like
0: paper war. Like imagine <laughs> like Eminem like spitting yeah. something like this. And then
1: you're a eunuch.
0: Yeah. Cleo says. But mark me well, if e'er you try, in poetry with wigs to vie, your nature's bounds you then will pass and be transformed into an
1: ass. (laughs) So he's a eunuch and a donkey.
0: She's saying he will be. She's saying, if you ever try to poem battle the wigs again, I'll use my muse power to turn you into a literal donkey Pinocchio style. (laughs) And at the end of the poem, it turns out that Spring's dream of all of this was more than just a dream. Because he forgot Cleo's warning. He wrote an ode and then essayed to sing a hymn, and lo, he brayed. I don't get that part. He brayed like a goddamn donkey.
1: Oh, like a.
0: Can you do that again?
1: No, that was it. I you didn't get one. It. No, you get oh, one. Well we weren't
0: recording just that bray. If you no, could just no. throw, him, throw us another bray like that. No,
1: no more brays. I, I, I just realized I don't remember what a donkey says. So I <laughs> went from like a nay to I think
0: I Normally it's like a hee-haw type thing. Like, oh, like yeah. a hee-haw. That's it. You no, got it? You
1: got, no, you don't get any more. That was like a mistake, that second one. No more brays.
0: Okay. Cut I'm out sorry. the braise. All right. I shouldn't have asked. I was rather brazen. <laughs> so funny guy that Madison. <sighs> pretty, pretty sick burn with some not That's bad rhymes. Some sick right? burns. Yeah. yeah. If anything, I think this shows that he's not the buttoned up analytical, non-creative guy that he might look like. And he's not afraid to go to low places for humor. Okay. We can't talk about his weird writing without talking about how he courted Dolly Madison.
1: Yes, someone fell in love with him.
0: Yeah, when they were courting, Dolly's cousin wrote this in a letter to Dolly with a little help from James. Okay. She wrote, Now for Madison, he told me I might say what I please to you about him to begin. He thinks so much of you in the day that he has lost his tongue. At night he dreams of you and starts in his sleep a calling on you to relieve his flame, for he burns to such an excess that he will be shortly consumed and he hopes that your heart will be callous to every other swain but himself. He has consented to everything that I have wrote about him with sparkling eyes. It's like an 18th century version of do you like me? Check one, yes, no. Yeah. Except it's more like do you accept responsibility for arousing me and agree to satisfy my needs exclusively? Oh. Yeah. James Madison was 43 years old here. Dolly, wow. Dolly was 26. Wow. Yeah.
1: Do you think... Um, His personality had a lot to do with why he was marrying so late.
0: He was engaged once earlier um, and it didn't work out. Um, Mm -hmm. He probably had one other relationship at some point. So, yeah, I think that maybe his reserved hard to get to know him personality probably played a role. Also, I think that he was working his ass off in the Constitutional Convention writing. If you look at the attendance records of all the other founders when it came to the Continental Congress and Constitutional Convention, they're all off with their families for various illnesses and reasons. He was always there. Hmm. so I think that maybe he poured himself into his work for such a long time that it probably did um affect meeting? the point in which he was ready to meeting
1: women to settle down. yeah interesting
0: um so forty three twenty six totally within the half your age plus seven rule, <laughs> and she checked yes and relieved uh, him from his flames,
1: oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: Speaking of relieving James Madison from flames, I want to move now to the relationship between Madison and someone else.
1: Okay. Jefferson?
0: Thomas Jefferson. Time
1: for Jefferson.
0: One exchange from their letters really stands out as a great example of everything you need to know about these two men. In 1784, before they were full-time partisan warriors, they talked about science and what really interested them. Jefferson wrote a letter recommending phosphorus matches this great new thing which would let you light candles without getting out of bed. Oh, yeah. But he warned Madison, great care must be taken in extracting the taper that none of the phosphorus drops on your hand because it is inextinguishable and will therefore burn to the bone if there be matter enough. It is said that urine will extinguish it.
1: Oh, gosh, more golden showers?
0: (sighs) This is the theme of the episode. (laughs) This
1: is the sub-theme.
0: It, it just, it really makes you grateful for the easy access we have to like lamps and electricity.
1: Right, right.
0: Can you imagine like risking your flesh just to have some light at night?
1: I mean, why isn't it extinguishable? Like on
0: your hand? Water won't put it out. It's, it's, yeah. Oh. Yeah.
1: So it's not your typical flame.
0: No, it's phosphorus.
1: Phosphorus flame.
0: Yeah. I guess, I guess urine wasn't that weird of a thing to recommend since you've got a chamber pot under your bed probably. Just
1: stick it in there.
0: You better hope it's full though. Because oh. I mean, I I have a hard time peeing at a urinal when other people are around. <laughs> and I can't imagine having to coax a stream when my hand is melting.
1: I know, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah.
0: You better have a you better have a friend.
1: <laughs> that's a lot of
0: pressure. It is. So Madison and Jefferson, clearly they had a close relationship and they had their own they had their own little code. That they would write their secret letters oh, in. Oh, that's yeah.
1: really cute, like grade school stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't think this pianet letter was encoded, <laughs> but a lot of their personal ones were. It wasn't just state business that they didn't want getting out. John Quincy Adams once wrote, "The mutual influence of these two mighty minds upon each other is a phenomenon like the invisible and mysterious movements of the magnet in the physical world."
1: Cool. So, what was their code?
0: Uh, It was just a cipher. You know, this letter is this letter. Oh. Yeah.
1: Well, that's really fun.
0: Right? John Quincy Adams, he was referring to their underhanded political manipulations, but their weird relationship also extended to science. They were big on measuring animals for a while. Oh. So they could defend European claims that American animals were smaller and inferior.
1: Oh. Where do they get the animals?
0: (laughs) Well, one time... Uh, Madison made thirty three measurements of a female weasel, what, including its ribs, and those are the real bones. Oh, I so mentioned they did at the beginning.
1: autopsies on them. They dissected um, them. I believe
0: it's called a necropsy when it's an animal,
1: or a dissection.
0: Yes, dissection. <laughs> that's, that's probably better because yeah because he wanted to see what was inside. I don't think he cared about determining cause of death.
1: No, <laughs> it's really disturbing. Yeah. So we well, I mean, okay, He's a scientist at heart will say, and not like. A sociopathic murderer. <laughs> we'll go with the scientific route.
0: The jury is out. Um, <laughs> he also measured its heart, spleen, and the distance between anus and vulva. Oh. Yeah. The taint? The taint. <laughs> he took all of these and he sent them to Jefferson. The measurements, not the taint.
1: <laughs> Why did Jefferson want them? Hopefully he encoded this.
0: Oh, no, I don't think this was encoded. This at should all. be encoded. <laughs> no, This was written on the envelope, so this even the postman is, could this know. This is
1: important encoded information. No, right no, no, no,
0: no. Oh, um, top secret. And this is how he segued into this part of the letter. Mm-hmm. For want of something better to fill the remainder of my paper, I will now add the result of my examination two days ago of another of our minor quadrupeds. I mean, a weasel.
1: Oh, hurrah!
0: It was a female and came to my hands dead.
1: Oh, came to your what?
0: Yeah, sure it did.
1: And its taint was two inches. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was actually a quarter of an inch.
1: What? Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, that's all big taint, I guess. <laughs> two inches of, is For fit. a weasel.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And you know this like how? You got your own weasels in the closet?
0: No, no, I read, I, I decoded his, it wasn't in code, but it was, the measurement was lines and I had to look up what does lines mean and it's like there's 12 lines to an inch and he said it was three lines and it's a quarter wow. of an inch taint. okay, so I had to went, get to the truth. You
1: went deep to the truth, yes. Yeah. Howard Dory, truth finder. That's right. <laughs> truth finder. Okay, how did he come upon a dead weasel? Maybe it was like roadkill? Carriage kill?
0: It came to him dead. That's all you need to know.
1: He didn't kill it.
0: No. Oh, God, no. It <laughs> came to him that way. Yeah. What are you suggesting? <laughs> no. It was dead when it got there. <laughs> Aside from his animal experimentation, James Madison was also involved in a little human experimentation.
1: Oh, no. See, here we go. No, he was, no, no. It's he okay. Was, uh, okay. It's gonna okay. It's going to be fine. All right. Be fine. Deep breaths.
0: Good old Margaret Baird Smith again. Her husband was at a party with the Madisons where champagne was being served. And James Madison said, it was the most delightful wine when drank in moderation, but that more than a few glasses always produced a headache the next day.
1: That's still true.
0: Mm -hmm. And it was decided that this was the very time to try the experiment, as the next day being Sunday would allow time for recovery from its effects.
1: So the experiment being, let's all get drunk?
0: Yes, the point was not (laughs) lost upon the host, and bottle after bottle came in without, however, I assure you, the least invasion of sobriety. Its only effects were animated good humor and uninterrupted conversation.
1: So he drank glass after glass, but still stayed sober.
0: Apparently, there's no record of how it turned out the next day for anybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it was about four days before James Madison wrote another letter after this night, Oh no, so he we needed four imagine. days. <laughs> but I'd originally believed that James Madison was the one who proposed this experiment himself. But looking back at Smith's book... It was actually this guy, Gideon Granger, the postmaster general, who said, hey, this is a great night to drink as much as we can and see what happens. (sighs) Anyway, I thought Madison was the one who proposed this experiment. Turns out I was wrong. I even shared this story in the past in a post called Eight Things James Madison Loved, Mm -hmm. illustrated with his stern little action figure. Um, (laughs) I'm going to have to update that post a little bit to reflect the truth. Okay. By the way, updating an article on the Internet is something you can actually do when new facts come to light.
1: Oh, right. And it's quite easy.
0: Yeah. For example, Smithsonian Magazine, um, you could update your article about John Quincy Adams wanting to meet mole people because the original source of the myth, Crack.com, just apologized this month to Adams for creating the myth.
1: And they mentioned you in there.
0: Yes. After our season one episode, John Quincy Adams versus the internet, I reached out to the writer, Ethan Liu, and he was shocked to find out that a story he wrote just out of high school had blown up in this way. So can
1: you imagine finding that out? You're like, whoops. Yeah.
0: First of all, you're finding this out. Second of all, you're finding out that people like me really care about this. So that's, that's a twofer.
1: You might be the only one who really cares about this though.
0: How dare you? (laughs) I'm just saying. I've given up on Snapple changing their cap, but I'm not giving up on you, Smithsonian Magazine. I know you can update articles because you already updated this very article to correct something else the author had wrong. She said that John Quincy Adams was called Governor Moonbeam. Mm-hmm. Really, the person called Governor Moonbeam was California Governor Jerry Brown 150 years later. I'm just saying one more update wouldn't hurt.
1: Right. Maybe they're too afraid to go down that rabbit hole since it's a bigger update.
0: Or maybe they just don't care about hashtag justice for JQA.
1: <laughs> I feel the movement. Yeah. I feel movement building. It's growing. Yeah.
0: Now, back to Madison. He's sneaky, see? Like, always throwing me off the trail. <laughs> All right, where was I? Ah! Champagne. 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 Mm-hmm. James Madison actually does have a real champagne-related little quip. And like a dry champagne, uh, this is a little example of his dry humor. Mm-hmm. So, at a party, uh, this guy Isaac Briggs wrote that Dolly attempted to open a bottle of champagne wine the cork flew to the most distant corner of the room with an explosion as loud as the sound of a pop gun. (laughs) She looked scared, and the wine seemed to be in haste to follow the cork. She, however, dexterously filled three large glasses, one for me, one for her sister, and one for herself.
1: This sounds like any champagne opening ever. (laughs) Things
0: were new back then. She handed the bottle to her husband, but he would not take more than half a glass. I remarked after tasting it that it was a very treacherous wine. Yes, said the president. If you drink much of it, it will make you hop like the cork. <laughs>
1: you love that. <laughs> this
0: is the kind of stuff that remains of Madison's great comedy stylings.
1: <laughs> you want to know more.
0: I want the good stuff. Yeah. I want the good stuff.
1: You don't consider that the good stuff? Um, it's not bad. It's something. It's something.
0: I really thought that I was going to have to dig deep for anything more related to Madison's humor. But then I found an article that just came out this March of 2020, which seems like both one month and 20 years ago at the same time. I know. It was like March. Uh. So this article was published by James Madison's home Montpelier's website. It's written by Hillary M. Hicks, a senior research historian there. It's called The Mischievous Mr. Madison. That's and kind of cute. Right? She does a great job finding examples <laughs> of his so-called humor. hmm A lot of them are very specific of the time you had to be there stuff. Mm-hmm. None of the examples are the really raunchy kind that you'd hope were preserved, but probably weren't. (laughs) And some were just plain dad humor.
1: Mm, Dad humor. Yeah,
0: here's an example. Dolly wrote to her nephew, Richard D. Cutts, who was coming to visit, that Uncle James is very glad to hear you intend to make him a visit and says you need not take the trouble to bring your appetite for bacon and chicken, Mm. nor for waffle butter, (laughs) custard, nor honey. Particularly, you'd better leave behind your relish for grapes, figs, and watermelons.
1: Oh my gosh. What was, what butter was, what? Waffle butter. Waffle butter. Yeah. My mind is blown and I'm, now I'm really hungry.
0: Okay. <laughs> this reminds me of the way that your dad talks to our daughter Emerson, <laughs> like the teasing sarcasm of a grandfather to a six year old <laughs> granddaughter.
1: Does he talk to her about food?
0: He just, he's sarcastic with her. And right. He says things that like, and she's like, you're just kidding. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, James and Dolly's nephew was about seven years old here. I checked. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it'd be a lot funnier if he was around 40. And they were talking (laughs) to him like that, but no. In the same letter, Dolly says, your uncle sat by me and dictated this letter. I guess he liked to dictate letters. I guess so. Tell him you can't have any waffle butter and my loins are on fire. (laughs) Hopefully not in the same letter. Probably not. (laughs) Dolly said that James enclosed a cent for their nephew, but that she enclosed six pieces to prepare you for his jokes and your journey.
1: Oh, that's nice.
0: Yeah, I love that his dad jokes were so bad that Dolly wanted to pay her (laughs) nephew for having to hear (laughs) them. Nephew had
1: to be paid off. (laughs) I'm sorry that you're part of this family. (laughs) Here you go.
0: This might be one of the reasons they were in debt. One of Madison's nieces, Mary Cutts, the same one who gave us that gem that Madison refused stimulants to keep him alive until the 4th of July. Oh,
1: right. I knew that
0: sounded familiar. Yeah. She wrote that her Uncle James was fond of puns (laughs) and that he preferred to converse with visitors when he was lying down on a couch. That sounds a lot like you. He told one visitor, strange as it may appear, I always talk better when I lie. (laughs) So now, I mean not only do I identify with him, but I'm kinda jealous. <laughs> Lying down and punning all day, God what a I, life.
1: I know, this sounds like your cup of tea.
0: <sighs> I mean <laughs> to be fair, he was probably in a lot of pain, like you know, most people back then in general. But he often felt feeble. He had something pretty close to epilepsy. Oh. Uh, he was a hypochondriac. Uh, Gouverneur Governor Morris once said, I've Gouverneur, been
1: Governor? Governor with his Nuit Soil.
0: It it really is pronounced Governor.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. What?
0: You just wait for another episode and we'll talk more about him.
1: Oh, (laughs) gosh.
0: He once said that I've been told that Madison never goes to bed sober, whether intoxicated by opium or wine was not said. Wow. I don't know how true that is, but there are lots of reasons that James Madison maybe wanted to lie down. He actually had a bed in his study, which opened to the dining room. When he wasn't feeling well enough to sit at the table, the bed would be pushed right up to the doorway. So he could chime in throughout dinner by hollering <laughs> puns and making jokes. Oh, my
1: God. That's even better than an alcove bed.
0: Oh, my God. That's how you do dinner parties. <laughs>
1: just, that's I'll be in bed.
0: Yeah, he's probably just looking at his phone the whole time, it's scrolling, like, and he <laughs> pre- hears something, and like, makes a big pun, yes. drops a bomb. like,
1: I just want to drop a bomb when I drop a bomb and rest for the rest of it.
0: Uh, a man named Jared Sparks was compiling some letters from George Washington for a collection, and he went down to visit Madison and he actually wrote about all the stories and bon mots, Madison what? told. Bon mots.
1: What is that?
0: It looks like bon mots. It's it's their term for like <laughs> funny tots? little sayings. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good words, I guess, in French. I don't know. Okay. Um, I read through this guy's journal entry, like mm-hmm. excited, like, oh, we're going to get some actual examples of these anecdotes and these little bon mots. These
1: zingers, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, little zingers. I was
0: hoping for little zingers. It's not much funnier than what you might find in a really old copy of a Reader's Digest humor column.
1: So maybe they weren't funny back then, but Madison was identified as funny because he was a little funny.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, here's one example of a story that Madison liked to repeat. Mr. Bland, one day in Congress, as he was moving towards the door, struck his foot against a loose plank and fell. Just at that moment, a member was rising to speak. To order, Mr. President, cried (laughs) Peters. A gentleman is already on the floor. (laughs) yeah that's cute yeah jared sparks heard that and probably thought physical comedy puns i gotta write that one down
1: yeah that's not bad no it would have been good in the moment
0: yeah we get another clue about a subject of comedy madison loved even though we don't get any of the actual jokes Mm -hmm. a visitor to montpelier wrote that of the jokes with which the merry old man amused his friends none have been preserved But one of his favorite subjects was the adventures of Baroness Rydazel, and I'm probably mispronouncing that, (laughs) the wife of General Rydazel, a prisoner of war during the Revolution. Hmm. She was a German woman, and he described her as big, handsome, and a great gossip.
1: Okay. She was the kind of the comical character.
0: Yeah. She rode her horse astride like a man (laughs) and was well known to all the country people. She wrestled bravely with the English tongue and made many remarkable mistakes in using it. I could see the potential here. Mm -hmm. Um, You got puns. You got character based comedy. Mm -hmm. A fish out of water woman who defies social norms and has her own way with language. Mm -hmm. Some kind of cross between like Moira Rose and Schitt's Creek and (laughs) Borat. There's probably a lot of fodder for material there. And it's it's a shame that none of it was preserved.
1: (sighs) I'm sorry, hon.
0: (sighs) I mean, we know exactly how long that weasel's taint was. (laughs) <laughs> but we don't know what made James Madison's friends roar with laughter <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was strangely specific. It's a damn shame. Well, he was being scientific though. You have to be specific with scientific activity
0: uh, Yeah, that's what I was apparently always
1: say. humor is pastime. So it didn't get written down in the way you would hope
0: Yeah, it's probably the way Madison wanted it. This
1: joke was three lines long
0: <laughs> <laughs> Visiting the Madison's must have been just pretty surreal Because visitors describe James as getting jostled about by the crowd in a room because of his stature. Whereas Dolly was calm and commanding and and she wore a turban with towering feathers. So you could always spot her in the crowd. That's probably how he found her, like, his way back to her.
1: <laughs> feathers um, bouncing around on top of the <laughs> crowd.
0: Just imagine yourself there in that drawing room, seeing James get tasseled about the room while Dolly marches around like a social butterfly with huge feathers. And her pet macaw there oh making gosh. its macaw noises and taking bites out of people because it likes to do that.
1: <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> then little Jemmy claws his way to a bed, but he's still screaming puns from the other room. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's a little overwhelming. It's... So you, you duck into a quiet room for a break. But it's just full of champagne, opium, and emergency piss, <laughs> and animals splayed out and lined up by taint size. Ew.
1: Oh, God. It, it got dark again.
0: That's just what Montpelier was like.
1: Oh, wow. I want to go
0: so I badly. Wanna, I want to go to there. <laughs> I want to go to there. Um, I think I have a better picture of Madison's personality. I I think he thrived on the debate stage or with small audiences Mm -hmm. or by himself with a pen. Mm -hmm. But crowds of people he didn't know were probably overwhelming. Um, I think he was brilliant and strategic in all things public.
1: Maybe he didn't want to take that risk.
0: Yeah, I think he he let himself loose with his friends and family. Yeah, that's Um, nice. So maybe there were some reasons for that. Mm Mm-hmm. I think, one, okay, maybe maybe he was in a lot of pain, and he could only really relax around his friends. Mm-hmm. Two, maybe he really was warm and funny, but he knew that he should keep that in check in public because it could hurt his cause.
1: Oh, got it. Like, he's not, you know, serious enough. Yeah, mm-hmm. like the
0: president, you know, back then was supposed to be serious.
1: Right. That makes sense.
0: Three, maybe this sociopath animal mutilator strategically knew that humor was helpful in forming close bonds with other humans, mm-hmm. and that was one of the tricks in his sociopath tool bag. Okay, I don't, I don't think that's it. Uh,
1: possibly, but I, I mean, mean, he just
0: kind of there's a little vibe there, and I just, I, you <laughs> know, I don't, I don't want to take that off the board. I completely. think
1: sociopaths are much more charismatic than he sounds to be.
0: You're probably right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He wasn't super charismatic. He just kind of threw out little jokes here and there. And only
0: to people that knew him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think you're probably right. James Madison was probably not a sociopath.
1: It doesn't sound like it, although you got to have a little screw loose to enjoy dissecting things.
0: She was dead when she got here.
1: He clarified that. And that's a little suspicious.
0: Yeah. Um, His actual humor, it kind of reminds me of the kind of comedy that I aspire to. Um but you know how like a-, a close-up magician will stand at a table with four or five people and do magic up close? I do. I I like to think of like close-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Like first you have to know me for about twenty years. Yes. <laughs> and then I randomly and expertly bring up inside jokes, shared experiences, your own interests, and it's it's a one-of-a-kind experience that's probably honestly exhausting for the other person. <laughs> It's a special
1: show. I think the Geffen would like to hear this pitch. Yeah, I will
0: talk to them. Maybe we could do some kind of Zoom thing. Yeah. Um, And people will have to reserve their shows about 20 years in advance. So I can really get to know them. Ingratiate myself with them.
1: Right. We'll send you over there. Yeah. And you can camp out (laughs) in their living room. Lay all you want.
0: Oh, okay, lay. Lay a
1: lot. Yeah, don't lay with anyone. (laughs) I'm talking about lying down. down. Yeah, Yeah, lying down and pun. Yeah. Yeah. like the whole time, uh-huh. return, and then you'll feel very comfortable.
0: And maybe, giving it, them maybe a little they show. live near the woods, and there's, you know, a, a weasel that, okay. that comes yeah. by once yeah. in a while.
1: Explore your pursuit of science. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you seem eager to get me out to do this, but you know, I'm, everyone, I'm all for it.
1: Everyone needs a little break. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um. So, what do you think of his personality now compared to when you were just looking at those pictures?
1: Well, I feel like I've actually for the first time gotten to know him a little bit more because i don't know around this time with the blog i started getting some of your precedents mixed up and so even reading about him for me it was difficult to remember which stories associated with him and so i i really do like getting to know him a little bit nice. what do i think now i mean he still looks striking and stern but maybe there's some humor behind those eyes and not just suspicion
0: Hmm, i like it Yeah, I think he may have been a very serious politician, but he was definitely not America's least fun founding father. (laughs) Um, So thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe, tell your friends. You can reach out to us on Plotting Through the President's Facebook page or at plodpod.com. Or become a patron. Yes. I'm so excited. You get exclusive access to bonus content. And take a look at this.
1: What is that?
0: <gasps> They're stickers.
1: You got stickers. I've been
0: saving them for this very moment.
1: Oh, my gosh. You are, you were throwing something at me, and I was like, what? It's, for, it's killing me now. No. Oh, this is so exciting. Yeah.
0: Before, the only way that you could ever get a sticker was to vote. <laughs> and so many of you did. Awesome. Yes. Now, if you join our Patreon family, um, like Jacob who said that we helped inspire him to study history.
1: Jacob really oh my gosh he really touched my heart here we are just like kind of blabbing on the mics and I had I really didn't know what kind of impact we would have on anybody but it's it's just warms my heart to know that we may have affected him that way.
0: Yeah that's more influence than I've ever wielded upon anyone. It feels (laughs) odd but amazing. Uh,
1: Yeah I'm just I'm really thankful that he shared that. That It made us feel very warm and fuzzy.
0: And shout out to sarah who loves john adams maybe even more than we do um and katie who's awesomely active on our facebook page and elizabeth who thought that we were too harsh on jackie custis's preacher teacher oh, jonathan no. Boucher, last season i gotta agree to disagree and to katie our first platinum plotter who's going to be getting some very cool guests
1: katie we cannot wait to put care packages together for you
0: <laughs> all right next week we'll be looking at a founding father with a wild life and a larger-than-life personality who doesn't get the credit he deserves.
1: Oh, well, I like talking about them in this way. It's really humanized Madison for me. So yeah. thank you for sharing
0: you are welcome. your and
1: stories and your puns.
0: And thank you for plotting.
1: Oh, uh, thank you for joining and plotting. Thank you. And then you are unique